Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And Zosvid, I am Zach. Adam, how are you on this beautiful sweeps week? <laughs> I am watching the ratings. I am worried uh, to make sure that I don't rerun. Uh, I am excited. You better not get canceled. Oh, <laughs> see, now that joke's like... Not just a TV reference; it's topical. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm excited. We're we're adjusting our antennas and tuning in to the Mojo Verse this week. We are, we are, we are, we are. Um, we're going to talk about Mojo. Yep. And we're going to talk about Longshot. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about Shatterstar. And you know we're going to talk about Ricochet Rita. Arise. He's in this a lot. It's all of your favorite characters, I think. Mine? Or the audience's? The royal. The royal yours, <laughs> the royal. I think. Okay. Mojo Mojo World is so weird. Like, listen. I love Annie. I love Annie the Senti. Mm-hmm. Great. Underrated Daredevil writer. Pretty cool person. The Seeds by her and David Aha. Mm-hmm. Really interesting comic. People should read it. Yeah. Um I don't know about Mojo World. <laughs> I'm I'm still on the fence. When friend of the show Leo Williams told me that oh yeah, I'm going to kick off my X Factor run and it's going to have the first arc in Mojo World. I was like, "Are you sure?" Well, um you know, we'll get into the actual like stories in a second, but it is interesting how it is played originally and then how people since don't seem to really get it. You know, and if you think about it, like I know I reference the New Mutant Summer Special constantly, but it's really not that different from the New Mutant Summer Special. Like it's just no, it's actually it... weirder that New Mutant Summer Special isn't a Mojo World story. Yeah, like it's a very similar concept. So, um, who do we have to thank for talking about all of this uh, Mojo Verse stuff this week? Oh, well, to thank we have, of course, Miles. Uh, Miles went over to patreon.com slash comicsxf said, boys, boys, I like what you're doing over there. I think that we should sponsor you uh, very literally. And Miles, Miles sponsored us. And look at that. Awesome. Uh, now there's an episode for Miles. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go chronologically, though, right? Miles' choice is actually our third story for today. No, if we go chronologically, Miles' choice is our first story for today. <laughs> because oh, geez, Adam you got me. You got me. Oh, I was saving it. I was saving it. I had that one planned. I knew where we were going, and I knew that I could get you there. Oh, oh, oh. because because Adam. Yes. Because here's the thing about the Mojoverse. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit temporally yes, not great. Uh, <laughs> in the fact that it doesn't make sense, and it's a weird pocket dimension, and also there's a future component. Yes. And alternate reality portions, too. So we've got a lot of different, like, things happening in this episode. It's great. Yeah, and we're going to start. We're going to start right there at the beginning. At at the nexus point of the Mojoverse. 
Yes. And that is, of course, X Factor Volume 1, numbers 259. This is part three of the end of X Factor, which isn't really an arc. It's a bunch of individual stories, and we're treating it as such. Uh, it's written by two-time GLAAD Award winner Peter Allen David. Pencils by a young and upcoming uh, Carmen Carnero. Jay Lyston does the inks. Matt Miller's on those colors. Yeah, and this was the arc where Mephisto just basically like sent the individual characters off to have plot resolutions, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was Strong Guy, not Mephisto. Cause you remember when oh, Strong Guy right. became King of Hell? Yes, King of and hell. not just King of One Hell, King of All Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The multiple yeah. hells. Mm-hmm. After after uh, he after he stabbed Rain's werewolf god's son. Yeah. Um. So this this issue is notable with a trident because he didn't have a soul because Layla Miller brought him back to life without a soul. Oh boy, so stupid. I hate all that. Stuff. You know Layla Miller, right? Do we need to get into Layla Miller? We have talked far too many times on this show about the the girl who knows too much, who is she just knows things. It's just weird. I think I completely lost it on Layla Miller when she ended up bringing Madrox back to life and having sex with him in a, in a what? On a morgue, on the slab <laughs> it, where his dead body slab. was. slab. Yeah, that was, I, I was done. I was done there. But Richter gets sent into Mojo World and reunites with Shatterstar. And uh, we get a riff on uh, the classic... Robert Highland, Heinland, uh, all you zombies, um, in which we learn that we have a Daddy Boros situation here. Yes, we do. We've got a classic Daddy Boros over here. Because what you learn is that we've always known that Arise uh, of the spineless ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the spineless one that developed an exoskeleton so that he could walk like a regular person yes. and not like a, not like a like one of those people from the movie Wally. <laughs> uh, Arise made some genetic experiments. Uh, and that genetic experiment was long shot. We'll get to him in a second. But the other thing about Arise is that he didn't make long shot out of thin air. In fact, there was there was a guy that just kind of plopped into the world uh, in front of Horizon, he's like, oh, well, I can use this guy's perfect genetic material. And that guy was Shatterstar? <laughs> right. So Longshot, who we have known Longshot. since the 80s, is a clone of Shattershot. Shatterstar. Uh, jumping Longshot's, ahead. Longshot, Longshot was created based on the genetic material of Shatterstar, but he is not a direct perfect clone of Shatterstar. Okay. All right. That's fair. But we also know already from comics history that um, Longshot and Dazzler uh, had Dazzler had Longshot's child, who turned out to be Shatterstar. But neither of them neither of them remember that. So this story tries to explain that. Well, and this is this is where the insane continuity of all of this gets weirder and weirder. Is that it was maybe implied or suggested that Shatterstar could have been Longshot's kid. Right. But it was never outright stated. Yeah, it was hinted like, at the end it was of X-Men at, 11 that, hey, what should we name this baby? And and it's literally happening in the background of a two-page spread. Right. And then there is there is the plot when Dazzler finally comes back uh, in that weird X-Babies story in the <laughs> yes. mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, that Dazzler has had a miscarriage off screen. Hmm. Which, we're not going to open up that bag of worms. 
but it ends up being like, okay, wait, so that tactically doesn't work anymore. So now Peter David, in one of his last issues on X Factor, mm-hmm. a book that he's been writing years and years. Yes. Peter Allen David does make the decision to take three of his main cast members, Richter, Shatterstar, and Longshot, and use them to just, like, their resolution to all of these plots is, hey, what if I just fixed a continuity loophole that's bugging me? Yeah, pretty much, because um, when Shatterstar and Richter travel through time, they encounter uh, Dazzler, who just happens to be laying down on the ground about to give birth. She recognizes Richter. I uh, don't believe she knows who Shatterstar is uh, because this is happening after X-Men 10 and 11. And they help give birth to baby Shatterstar. Why would Dazzler recognize Richter? Great question. And I don't know. It seems very strange. Um, all of this. She was... She was not hanging out with the X-Men at the same time Richter was hanging out with the X-Men. No, no. It doesn't make any sense because Dazzler went straight from Siege Perilous to, like, going back on tour and then getting sucked back. No, she was just hanging out in Layla Cheney's house. Right, right. So she would not have hung out with, like, the X-Factor kids before or after. And and you get this whole thing where Shatterstar reveals that actually he knew this whole time how he was going to have to close off a time loop so that he could exist. And that yeah, I don't buy that. And and they have weird. to and they have to mind wipe Dazzler. So she doesn't remember that they were there or that she gave birth to Shatterstar, which is really messed up. <laughs> and then they have to send Shatterstar 100 years into the future and then have him live his life normal instead of What would have been, I think, a more interesting thing of Richter and Shatterstar raising a baby Shatterstar (laughs) in the Mojo Purse. Right. Or literally anywhere else. I just think the idea of a baby Shatterstar would be fun. I get that you don't... I get that giving giving a child to a superhero couple tends to kill narrative momentum because people in superhero comics are unable to fathom how to write a family dynamic. Yeah. But still... I mean, the the premise here, this idea that Longshot is uh, begat from Shatterstar and Shatterstar is begat from begat Longshot. Longshot and the I, Daddy Boros of it all. Right. Like, I like that. I do. Daddy um, Boros is great. Hold on. A, we got to be clear. Right. The concept of Daddy Boros is perfect. It's a fun idea. It harkens back to these sci-fi uh, concepts. You know, they're, they're not as convoluted, but it's still very convoluted in a fun X-Men way. However, the way this issue is written and the drawing is just okay. You know, it's not terrible art, but it's just kind of like, you know. Bland. It's not the Carmen Carnero who I'm very excited to see nowadays. Yeah, these characters are just very static. There's not a lot going on in terms of how, you know, pages are laid out or what these characters are doing. But the script doesn't really allow for that either. It's basically just, we are going to very, very straightforward fill these plot holes and that's the end of the issue. It's not good traditionally. No. No. I also am glad that it exists. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I I am too. I um, do think there is a missed opportunity here to also try to resolve the Benjamin Russell stuff too, that we've talked about with the Shatterstar saga. Like there, 
there probably was an arc's worth of material here that if Peter David was really trying to be clever, he probably could have had some real fun here. Unfortunately, he's trying to wrap this book up before it hits 250, right? So, you know, this Not is... but it's past 250. It's way past 250. What is this issue? It's like 259. Oh, what's, what's the last issue? 261 or 262, Oh, so I it's think? just a random? It didn't even get to like a landmark issue, huh? No, no, they just had to cancel the book. It was it had been essentially Peter David spent seventy issues uh, piddling around doing nothing, and they eventually said Peter. <laughs> all that missed opportunity. That's all I'm saying is there could have been like oh, extra yeah. levels of convolution and fun here, and it's not. It's it's uh, it's great conceptually, but execution wise, yeah, it's just okay. Yeah, um, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Again, I I am glad it happened. Mm-hmm. Because the word Daddy Boros has given me so much joy in my <laughs> life. Uh I think I think a a beautiful memory of mine is C2E2 a few years back. Uh it, you and me and you know Charlie and the Chris's and everybody and Thomas were walking into the convention hall and jordan white was walking at the same time we just grabbed him and got him into our group and we just started arguing about the daddy boros for no reason because <laughs> i think jordan was trying to bait us because he was he was just he was just screwing around and having a good time he's like so you guys think shadow Shadow's a mutant because he knew all of us would have opinions <laughs> jordan edited this issue very funny it's a great, great question. Job. I mean, Longshot is canonically not a mutant, so... No, they're all mutants because it's cleaner editorially. I guess. I don't know. That's the that. real answer. Um, so, yeah. Shadow Star's, Shadow Star's mom's a mutant, and oh, okay. Longshot well, was made from the genetic material of a mutant, so... Mm, eh. Ipso facto. Nah. I don't buy that. If he's not a clone... You're right. I agree that he's not a clone. He's not a mutant. Do you think... Did, <laughs> do you think Arise... Do you think Arise, when he's genetically making the long <laughs> shot the perfect slave rebel do you think arise was like oh what's this x gene here this, um, it would give him an extra power well we don't need this yeah there's no way especially no, not why he's a mutant. it's fine yeah okay so let's put all that aside and let's uh rank this on our big old list oh that's the interesting thing adam because we rank stories on this uh podcast in fact we have 642 stories wow. that we have ranked thus far in our meager time as uh, podcasters about the X-Men. <laughs> um, here's the thing, Adam. The, yes. the best story on our list is the House of X in the Powers of Ten. Mm-hmm. The 100th best story is Early Frost from Uncanny mm. X-Men. Uh, the 200th best story is New Mutants Annual Number 1, where they steal this planet. Yes. Uh, number 300 is X-Men The Exterminated. Uh, number 400 is Generation Hope. The future is a four-letter word. Number 500 is Exiles 8 through 10, which I forget which one. that They fight like Galactus or something. They do a gladiator. They do yeah. a gladiator. Shadowstar yeah. would like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 600 on this list is X-Men Forever, and the Draco's at the bottom. Hey, this isn't as good as Generation Hope. Nope. I was going to say, I think we're at least in the 400s here. You know, I want to give this credit for concept, but like I said, it's just... You know, it's just okay. 494 is the Secret Invasion issues of hmm. X Factor. Is this hmm. better or worse? It does have better art than it, those, which Larry, Larry Stroman, we love you. 
it does. And I think there's a, a little bit more going on. I don't think this is as good as the first four issues of Zeb Wells' New Mutants Volume 3, Return of Legion. Yeah, it's probably better than the New Mutants arc where they go to Asgard, but not the time we all liked, the time that was too long. Yep, I think it's probably also better than the Paris arc of all new X-Men at 490. See, I think it's exactly at that spot. Yeah, yeah. Probably we're there. Okay, no, Daddy Boros is more memorable. And but Generation M, which is a challenged comic, I think is better than this. Okay. So this is going to be our new 490. Yeah, this is our new 490 uh X Factor 259, the Daddy Boros. <laughs> All right, so... Peter, I want to be clear because it sounds like Peter David should have come up with that. Peter David did not come up with Daddy Boros. I believe it was friend of the show, Charlie Davis. I believe it was Charlie. Well, but I that, don't know. Yeah, that term does not appear in the comic, so... Um, you know if you Google Daddy Boros, it doesn't really appear anywhere. <laughs> it's still fun. We are going to own that Daddy Boros SEO. <laughs> All right, um... I'm confused because of our time loop issues. So are we going to the beginning, the middle? Where where are we going next? Let's just do long shot. Let's do long shot. All right. Why not? Yeah, let's get into it. So this is long shot one to six by Ann Nascenti and Art Adams. Inks with by Will Sportaccio and who's the other? There's another inker on this, isn't there? Uh, Bill Anderson and Scott Williams do some work here and there. There we go. Uh, yeah. Can I read uh, the introduction from the trade paperback? I would, I would love it. I think this completely distills like what Anne Nascenti was uh, trying to go about. Pick up a newspaper, turn on the television, take a walk down a city street, then try to have a good day. The world can be relentlessly tragic and gloomy. Uh, I'm going to skip to the end of the, that paragraph. Uh, but then there are other moments when the light hits just right, a breeze lifts a curtain, a child laughs, and in those lovely crystal moments that hold the to- darn grim world afloat, moments so buoyant, not even a TV can drag you down. I just, there is like, and we're going to get into this when we talk about this story, there is this inherent like weird pessimism about Annie Nascenti and the way she looks at the world. And yet trying to find these like little glimmers of hope. And I guess that's what Longshot is. But man, this is a weird book. <laughs> this is a very weird book. This is Art Adams' first work. Uh-huh. Um, yep. Maybe the most consecutive issues Art Adams ever did in his career. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, it's close if it's not. Yeah, it's definitely his longest sustained work. Um, maybe Asgard Wars is probably the second longest thing he's done. But this is still really early and we're getting a taste of just how like detail intense his stuff can be he's not like quite to classic mode yet but but he's he's, almost there he's almost there and uh a a lot of why his art might look a little bit interesting is probably from the inks i i would be fascinated to just see the pencils for this but i i don't know if that still exists or without color because the color kind of not great on this book either it's it's not Will Sportacio inking him, I actually find very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I know I know Will's had a long career as an inker before, was a a you know penciler and doing everything, but I I think of Adams as like the big number one influence to all the image guys for the most part. Like Oh, absolutely. At at least in aesthetic, it all comes back to Adams. And this is a this is a very present book. 
because the design of Longshot is so far ahead of its time. Like, Longshot comes out in 1985, and in... Five, six years, this is what every comic book looks like. Absolutely. You know, we've got glowing eyes. Uh, we've got pouches. You know, we've got throwing knives and, uh, you know, random straps and things that probably don't need to be there. And, uh, you know, uh, you can see on page to page influences on everybody from Jim Lee to Liefeld uh, to what Wilson will do down the line. Like, you, you can definitely see it um it is also just an absolutely bizarre book i think you can look at the series in two chunks because the first three issues are more vignette heavy um they in terms are of long who... shot long shot meets some people he learns a moral lesson right whereas the second and three by issues... he i mean they learn a moral lesson long shot doesn't learn anything <laughs> yeah long shots are real dumb dumb um and the second three issues are basically like the core text of of Mojoverse. I mean, it's the origin story. Yeah, it's it's the it's the Mojo Bible. Yeah. So I don't know where in the writing process and he decided that like we weren't gonna just do long shot meets a, a depressed person. Um because <laughs> that's kinda how the first three issues are, right? Uh, the first issue he runs into a survivalist. Um, the second issue, he, uh, invades a Hollywood set and meets, uh, Ricochet Rita. And then the third issue, um, he's basically hanging out with a balding guy who's trying to kill himself. It's, oh, you're talking about, you're talking about Jinx, the guy who tries to kill himself like eight times in this comic. And it's very funny every time. Yeah. It's, it's like a better off dead situation with John Cusack. Um, so really bizarre storytelling and then it just keeps getting weirder because then annie decides to like really hit the throttle and go oh by the way <laughs> here is arise here is mojo and spiral and quark and this entire alien world that has been created from like i mean it's just bonkers it's 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 Annie Ascenti saying that TV is evil and will rot your brain. Right. Which is, I am not going to go to bat for TV and say TV has been used for good. It is, and I, I know that Annie Ascenti in general was and still is a wildly progressive person. Mm hmm. It was also the kind of takes that I was told in Sunday school. So it is very weird that that is the central thesis of this. It's like, TV will rot your brain. And also, everything is bad. It's... You know what I... I um, don't... I don't know... I don't know what her... I don't know what her central thesis is of this book. She's saying a lot. She yes. is saying a lot. I don't know if she is saying a lot on one topic or just saying whatever thoughts she has. She's very lucky that one Anacenti's thoughts are at least interesting in like a bubble. Like, Oh, okay. This is, this sure is a take. This sure is a vision of something. I don't fully get it. And also very lucky. Art Adams is drawing this thing. Art Adams <laughs> does draw the heck out of it. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at this and the web of Spider-Man annual, which is like an animal rights story, or you look at new mutant summer special, um, well before she gets to doing her daredevil run, 
where there's still a political angle, but it's, I don't want to say it's softened, but it's like incorporated better within the actual storytelling. The, the daredevil run, the daredevil run makes the message, the story. Right. Whereas it, this it, where is, this is, here is, here is a story that I'm going, here's a comic and I'm going to force this message through it. Not to say that her daredevil run is subtle. No. Because I don't think Anacenti knows how to be subtle. I think Anacenti is going to hit you with a two-by-four that has, like, her thoughts written on it and be like, do you understand yet? Yeah. Uh, and I rem- it's charming that she does that, but it's... If anyone read this comic and said, I don't think I care for it, I would say, yeah, that's fine. That makes sense. I get it. I would... Uh... I would say that the first time I read this, um, I distinctly remember being kind of put off by the first couple of issues, um, especially because each one of them seems to be less about the character long shot and much more about these different uh, things that she's criticizing that he's interacting with, which can be right. a core element of who Longshot is as a character. However, what I like way more is the latter half of this, where Longshot is uh basically teaming up with the little rascals and uh, you, uh, mean, you mean the star rammers from uh <laughs> that will later appear in anacenti's daredevil yes yes uh, was, i had forgotten that this is where they show up i was like i know i know those children yeah they also show up in an x-men annual uh the mojo x-men annual that comes later um that art adams also draws but they all have to team up to take down gog and magog um whose name changes depending on which part of this uh, series you're, you're reading. Okay. The fact that Gog and Magog, it's weird because like that's an apocalypse, like apocalyptic reference. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's Bible. Right. I know we, I've been criticized on this podcast by people who take my knowledge of Bible as a, being evangelical about the text and saying we should all we should all follow all these things to a T. I just happen to know that Gog and Magog are like are apocalypse stuff, and I'm sitting here like, and I don't know what you're trying to say with this. Like you picked these names for a reason, because these are not just names you're going to come. Up. Why did you do this? Yeah, I don't. It's, it's I don't strange. understand. It's strange because they're essentially um, you know just hunters from mojo verse to like try and get and kill long shot. Um, but, um, we see Magog early and then this little puppy version of Gog and Magog comes up and then continues to grow until, uh, we, we have to get Dr. Strange involved. We get she Hulk involved. They're fighting at the cloisters in New York city. It's crazy. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff with Mojo and Spiral and these other uh, issues where Mojo is kind of like, he's not quite to like full Mojo. Like, especially, I, I feel like by the end of the series, we get the Mojo we we know and love. But um, he's a little bit, I don't know, like his speech patterns are a little bit different to start off with. His speech um, patterns are different, but I actually, I kind of prefer, like, the mojo as he appears in here where he is scary. Yeah. Like, listen, mojo is a silly design. Mm-hmm. He's he's a he's a yellow blob, blobular guy on spider legs with weird creepy fingers and clockwork orange eyes 
and cables coming out of his head. He's silly. I'm not disagreeing with that. He's also like irrational and scary. Yeah. In a way that you're like, this person has power and it's unchecked. Mm -hmm. And how do you deal with that? No one's really come back to the idea of him thinking of himself as the life bringer and then walking as around a God. and everything dying around him or like feeling super negative when he's cloaked. Like that is a really cool concept that people should bring back because it really makes him a, a higher threat level and scarier. Like here's the thing. Mojo's entire plan on this is not to increase ratings and do television puns. His entire plan on this is to have Earth worship him as if he were a god. Because in his mind, he is. Yep. Yeah, that's how he gets his power. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. And I don't think enough writers have touched on that with Mojo. Like, they've they've leaned into Mojo's a TV guy. Right. He's the one that'll allow us to do TV jokes. And... I'm not sure how well that's landed since. No, it's true. Um, Cause that's only part of what the character is all about and part, part of what Mojoverse is about. Um, so, you know, he literally takes over a church and has them build this like giant tower. Uh, Again, in, in, in Senti is not subtle. No, literally calls it the tower of Babel. Um, <laughs> and it's in effigy too. Mojo. So it is, um, I think the latter half of this is really successful and a lot of fun. I like all the world building. There's all of the, you know, the, the like, Hey, here's Spider-Man. Here's, here's Dr. Strange. Like we're going to incorporate long shot into the larger universe. Um, I do think the first half is less successful because it, it, the first half is Anacenti's secret war too. Yeah, that's that's uh, a really interesting comparison. I didn't think about it that way. It's it's very much a proxy character used to be to have things happen to him to make social commentary. Mm-hmm. And Senti's more successful at this than Jim Shooter. I want to be clear. Yes, it, absolutely. It does still have that stink to it. Mm-hmm. Well, the second issue where Longshot is actually mistaken for a stunt double and gets to incorporate uh, or excuse me interact with ricochet rita that issue lands pretty well up until the point where the director thinks he's killed long shot and dumps his body in a river um <laughs> because like, because he's having him do an unauthorized stunt involving real laser fire and all this and it i don't know what point innocent was trying to make about hollywood and it just it lands odd it's just I don't I don't I don't get what she's trying to say all the time. Yeah, and I don't know that we have to. You know, she's she's talking allegorically about these things in a way that is meant to sort of make us think about our world and and it's definitely a pessimistic point of view. Um but I think it's much more successful when the character doesn't just have these sort of mute cutes and goes out on an actual adventure. Um so it's Definitely like a half and half for me. She's a vibe heavy rider. Oh yeah. This and is, this is to be lot. clear, her Daredevil, my one of my favorite runs in comics, uh, by far. I I love that run. And there's there's a lot of stuff here that I really like too. But I, it's not all of it lands. No, and that's the that's the challenge for me with uh Longshot. Yeah. 
So let's try and rank this. This is definitely better than what we just talked about with the Peter David issue. So here's what I'll say. Yeah. This is interesting. At at number 300, we have X-Men The Exterminated. Mm-hmm. I would say this is probably better than that. I would agree. Um, but I think we might be in like the right era. Like Just a bit above it at 296 is Here Comes Tomorrow from uh-huh. New X-Men. Yep. Which is another vibe-heavy comic. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. I think this is better than that, but I'm looking at 291 at the cocaine arc of Wolverine. And you that... think Anacenti would have written a story where Wolverine <laughs> fights a sentient pile of cocaine? Because I think yes. I think she could have. I think it would be it would come off completely differently, but uh, it, it would definitely have happened. I th- I think we are in the right area because I I think that's my ceiling. I think Old Man Logan as a whole is probably more successful than this. I would agree. Um, I mean, I'm looking up the list. The problem is that this is this is like sort of a classic in its own way, but uh, I think we need to agree at what what it's successful at and what it's not. So yeah, that's that's the challenge. Yeah, with it. it's I do it's think a mixed bag. Yeah, I do think it's better than the Madrox mini. Uh, well, let's put it between Old Man Logan and Madrox. Okay, so that's going to make this our new two ninety three. That's going to be two ninety three. It that's probably a little higher than I would generally put it, but I can understand. I, I can't argue with that placement. No, and I, I think we're kind of meeting in the middle because I, I think I probably, if I was by myself, probably would have placed it higher and I know you would have placed it lower. So let's get into probably uh, a, a bigger uh, contrast <laughs> to our last story. Yeah, so we're going to talk about one last story here and it's a story that its author, Fabian Nicieza, has said maybe the worst thing he wrote for Marvel. He's on the record as kind of trying to disavow the one, the only, the annual crossover, Shattershot. It's uh, Fabian Nicieza. It goes through four different annuals. Uh, X-Men annual, uh, Uncanny X-Men annual number 16, X-Factor annual number 7, and X-Force annual number 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Each annual is one oversized story, some pinups, and some backup stuff. Uh, P. P. Craig Russell works with Fabian on the first part, uh, Jay Lee on the second, Joe Casada on the third, and Greg Capullo on the fourth. Uh, it has a very classic Jim Lee cover to it. Yes, and we should uh, note that the first issue is a jam issue. Um, so Jim Lee actually, you know, is on his way out at this point, does not have time to do this issue. Um, it is obviously like an oversized annual issue. So what they did was Jim did the layouts for the story and mm. you, you have a jam team here of P Craig Russell, Brian Stelfries, Adam Hughes, Stuart Eminem, Dan Panosian, Greg Capullo, and Mark Teixeira sharing different, uh, art duties on this as you go through it and kind of a wild ride. Um, and then you go to it's, the Jay Lee stuff, and then you go to the Joe Casada stuff, and then you finish off with the Greg Capullo. It is a wild ride for art. Does it look good? I don't know. The first issue, which is the Jim Lee layout issue, is a mess. <laughs> like, that list of names I just sent uh, said out loud probably sounds extremely exciting to you, but this issue 
does not look great. Your opinions on early Jay Lee may vary. When I was a kid, Jay Lee was the coolest thing going, especially when he was in this early era of just doing these absolutely insane things. But he is not doing the, he's not stepped to the next level of refinement that he will during Executioner's Song. So it's a lot rougher. And he, and he also has to draw the worst stuff. He has to draw <laughs> the death sponsors. Yes, the death sponsors. Um, I think the the Casada stuff looks sick. I think it looks absolutely the, amazing. The Casada stuff is probably my favorite of this. Uh, he draws a really good spiral. Yes, and a really good mojo. And um, early Capolo, but I absolutely love it. So why don't we try to explain what's happening here? Because this is a very loosely connected set of stories. Yeah, so so the X-Men have to rescue Arise. You know Arise. Yep. We just talked about him. Yep. Creator of both the Longshot Rebels, but also it turns out at, at one point in this story arc that Arise accidentally created the insanity within the slugs that are the Mojo people because he broadcast uh, television signals from Earth to the Mojoverse and drove them all insane, which is a nice touch thing and callback to the any Nascenti stuff also doesn't make any sense time-wise. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, Adam, you know, Arise ends up on our planet and wouldn't, you know, do you know, do you know who, uh, Arise ends up with? I believe he ends up with the Taliban. <laughs> he does. He, Arise does end up, uh, being taken care of, uh, by the brave, uh, by the Taliban, by the, by the people that became the Taliban. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're still at the tail end of, uh, of cold war politics here, folks. So remember, <laughs> remember it's who so weird though. It's so <laughs> weird in retrospect, right? Like it, it's wild. So, um, this is a similar they were, moment they were, to, they were regressive for the time they their name literally meant the people who fight a holy war they were they were always the taliban they were just also fighting the Russia. soviets yeah. yeah so we gave them lots of weapons um man no way that that could end up ruining mine and several other people's lives for decades to come understatement um so anyway the <laughs> this is a similar moment to the beginning of cable blood and metal where they just went to Iran and killed a bunch of people. Um, but oh, it's yeah. mm. but it's a weird moment where Wolverine is like, these are noble people. And you're like... Um, Wolverine, that's... that's. I understand that's the literally context. literally the Taliban, my, my brother in Christ. <laughs> so they have to fight off another group of, uh, of, of, you know, hunters who are coming after a rise. I think, uh, who's here? They're mojo people. Yeah, uh, Mog and Gog and Magog and Quark. And some robot people. Nothing really happens in this issue. Like, yeah, that. So this is gonna be this is gonna be an ongoing theme of the very long shatter shot. Yeah, uh, they scare off the Mojo guys, and then um, arises like, yeah, I'm gonna go do something else now. Yeah, it's weird. This issue does have the best thing in shatter shot, which is cutaways. Of the Blackbird in the mansion. Cool. Cool backups. Um, some cool art in the back, too, with uh, Sam Keith. Um, there's a really, really good Mike Mignola mojo in one of these. I See, forget which I'm issue a big, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm a, it's, it's in this one. I'm a big Mignola fan. I don't love that mojo. Oh, really? I think it's neat. 
I mean, it's I very sketchy, but hey, it's okay. It's early, you know, it's, uh, but it's, it's of the I, X-Force I'm staring, at my, I'm staring at my complete library editions of Hellboy. I like the man. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to like it. You also don't have to like the second issue, which is, uh, the death sponsors, who are being sent... Oh, we're sent... talking about Cancellator, Dead Air, Lead-In, Sweeps Week in Time Slot. <laughs> being sent by the rival Pirate Network. Um, unclear if this is the same Mojo 2 as uh, X-Men 10 and 11, but I guess it is. A um, little bit unclear about that. Again, uh, to try and save Arise. The other thing Shattershot does... Um, is it just kind of, and we'll see this again in the X factor issue. It kind of regurgitates, um, some storylines from the book. So in this case, it decides that it's just going to retell, uh, how violent is Bishop, uh, kind of story in this case, in the danger room, he threatens to kill himself, uh, to save the rest of the team with a gun that fires lasers. But wait, it doesn't, it's a whole thing. It doesn't make much sense. Uh, they have to, they have to rescue Arise, and then nothing really happens in this issue. No, it's another case of Arise is like, I'm going to go to another annual. And uh, when we get to X-Factor, we get the Strowman. It's now Casada illustrating it, but it's a, a literal beat for beat. Uh, same sequence of them trying to open the, the mayonnaise jar, which is, it's you know. It's so weird that they copy the opening of X-Factor. Very weird, right? Um, Peter David's it's not so writing this weird. issue, so it's extra it's weird Fabian. That, that Fabes is like, yeah, we're going to do this again. <laughs> X-Factor. What we know about X-Factor is they just have a real hard time with jars. <laughs> uh, so what's notable about this issue, and I, I love, is that this is the one with uh, a little bit more of the context for Longshot. So this issue contains the reveal that Spiral is actually Ricochet Rita. Um, now... From what I understand, Annie Nascenti never had any intention of Ricochet Rita being Spiral, but I do think it's a clever little retcon. Honestly, I think it, I think it's a very clean retcon. Yeah, like I I get that, that wasn't the intent. It makes everything fit better. Actually. Yes, I, I like it, and it it locks into the madness that Spiral is experiencing too. Um, that we've seen over the years. So this is also the issue where we learned that Arise was sending all of the, the TV transmissions over to Mojoverse and that it got screwed up and that's what kind of started them being insane. Again, though, we get to the end of this and instead of Spiral, who's been in a bloodthirsty hunt for Arise killing him, is basically like, all right, cool. Let, let's just go together back to Mojoverse and we'll be friends now, which is weird. It's weird. And then there's one more annual one more which is very notable because it is not a conclusion to the other four issues yeah that's the that's the thing about the shatter shot is that it does nothing really happens and then it doesn't actually end because because x-force annual is an alternate reality story about how shatterstar got his deal with cable to go conquer the mojoverse and shatterstar becomes uh, the master programmer of the Mojoverse, and does it the Hunger Games and says, actually, we will continue this terrible thing. Um, I was reading these. I've as not they... read the Hunger Games. I think that that's how it ends. No, you're 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 pretty you're pretty on on base there. I mean, it's it's gladiator gladiatorial combat, right? But I figured I figured out through pop culture osmosis that Katniss Everdeen's got some issues. <laughs> now I remember when this came out, and I was 
excited to read the fourth installment of this story and see how whatever the heck was going on with Arise would wrap up. And then we get this alternate X-Force from the future. So in one hand, I'm a little disappointed that the story kind of doesn't go anywhere. However, on the other hand, I loved, loved this lineup, which consists of an older cannonball, an older sunspot. Magic is back. We get our first hint of not Douglock, but this is Cyberlock. It's a merger of Cypher and Warlock. Yes, and we also have Francine Power, a.k.a. Power Packs. This is a cool, cool lineup. Oh, and Siren. Yeah, Siren with a great new haircut. Yes. Power Packs rules. Heck yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that. They're like, we love the Power Pack, and the Power Pack are always friends with the X-Men, so we'll make this Power Pack person part of X-Force. That's great. What's less great is that I don't know what this story is. I'm so... I understand, long shot, Anacenti is trying to say something. She's trying to actually say about a million things. What is Fabia de Cieza trying to say in in, uh, Shattershot? Well, I I would disagree. I think the fourth issue is the actual one that he's actually trying to say something, which is that, you know, in this world, if it plays out the way, you know, it's supposed to with the rebels eventually taking them on, right? Because the whole bit with Longshot is it's a recursive cycle. It always repeats. He's the fallen messiah. He always loses. But if Shatterstar comes back, he can actually lead the rebels and win. But what are they going to do when they win? Are they going to then become the oppressors? I don't know. I think it's an interesting twist for an alternate uh, future story. I, What I never understood was why they didn't use this as an opportunity to actually just do an alternate future of the 616. Why there was the choice made to actually just make a makeup team and show like how it could be, but not even for this Earth. I never understood that. Um, if it had been the actual Shatterstar from 616 turning into this tyrannical leader, I think that's an interesting story. Um, I think... This is probably the most interesting issue of the four, but again, it has no bearing on the rest of it because it's not the 616. It's not. It's also the exact plot that Fabian would end up doing with Rainfire. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, and by end up doing, I mean end up not being able to do because they fired him. <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's, he's working some stuff out uh, through his scripts. Um, I get the impression you don't like this and I will agree. I think Shattershot is very bad, actually. <laughs> I think there's a lot to love here. I, I really enjoy the artwork. I like that. It's trying to tie, uh, some, some bows on some, some dangling threads that were happening. Is it perfect? By no means. Is it entertaining? Absolutely. I think it's a lot of fun, but, uh, I guess mileage will vary. So I think I think Shattershot is bad and is an excess of the '90s. And w- was the canary in the coal mine to say that hey, this is going to get worse before it gets better? Wow, that bad, huh? I mean, I, I agree. Not, it is. I do not care for this. It is one hundred percent a uh, example of '90s excess. But I think that's to its uh, in its favor, not to its detriment. Um. Is well, it, let's compare, shall we? Yes, let's. Uh, let's let's start with: Is it better or worse than Longshot? It is not as good it's as worse. Longshot. So 
Um, it's, it's worse than long shot. Yes. Is it better than the Daddy Burroughs? I think it's absolutely better than that issue. Maybe. Because at 454, we've got... Here's here's something that I was I was kind of bouncing around in my head. 454. We have New Mutants 98 to 100. Yes. The beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. I think this is worse than that. I think it it it's not that far off, you know. I think the artwork in here is actually better than what we see Liefeld do in those three issues. Um there's a lot of cool stuff happening here between the Capullo, the Casada, um and the Jay Lee. That I think is is doing more interesting things, but I do think this is probably either better or on par with the Mirror Island saga. That's a couple spots below at four seventy two. I think story wise, you're probably not uh, that far off. I just think this is much more fun than that. Like I would put this at above Deadpool Bad Blood at four fifty five. You're telling me this is more fun than the time that Dazzler became the Herald of Galactus. Oh, definitely. Much better art. There's some some interesting continuity things happening with uh, with Arise and Spiral. Um, and the last issue with the, the What If is a blast. I think it's a really interesting, fun story. T- and it's drawn by, like, one of my favorite ex-artists. So I'm disagreeing with you so hard right now. On which part? Like that it's better than Dazzler Herald of Galactus. Alright, but hold on a second. Keep, keep in mind that Dazzler becomes the Herald of Galactus. That is much more fun in concept than execution. You have to agree. Like the majority of that store first part of that story takes place in just a lab with claw, right? Listen, listen, listen. I think you're right. I also don't think Shattershot is good in concept or in execution. Okay, there you are wrong. There you are wrong. There is good <laughs> execution here. Is the writing flawed? Is it the just... best? The best. The best. The best part of this entire yeah. series of minis is the backup of uh, X Force about Artie Leach and Taki. That's an interesting. That's actually one. the best part. Really, of the entire thing. Not the Joe Mad uh, bullying uh, thing with Guido. That's another good one. Though I like the that Artie one, and Leach one. That one is also good. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're giving this enough here's what I'll credit. Say. Here's here's what I'll say. So we could so we can make ourselves. How do you say this? We're splitting hairs. We're gonna end up in this area. We're in this. Yeah, we're like, gonna end. Four fifties. Here's where we're gonna. Here's we're gonna end up. We'll end up. I would say we'll split it in the middle. We can put this between Deadpool, Bad Blood, and X Man Thirty Operation Zero Tolerance. Even though I do think X Man Thirty is better too. But that's. That's fine. I'm compromising. I don't know, man. I would squeeze it between New Mutants 98 and 100 and Bad Blood. Just because, I mean, Bad Blood is okay, but, I mean, that art's not that great. I mean, it's still Liefeld. I'm doing this, but I'm doing it under protest. It can be 455. Man, this is a lot of fun. I do think you're being a little grumpy about this one. Like, there is fun to be had with this one. and uh... I didn't enjoy it, and part of that may be because I was very mad at the Marvel Unlimited service as I tried to read this. Yes, uh, Marvel Unlimited, get your act together for this, because uh, issue part four, the X-Force annual, I'm holding it up like anybody can see it. It's only the backups. Whereas on comics, are the best part. Whereas on Comicsology, you get the X Force main story, but no backups. What's up with that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I'm glad I have them in uh, in individual issues. Speaking of which, I have uh, two copies of the first issue of Shattershot, 
and I don't need two copies of this. So I'm going to ask three trivia questions. Um, whoever can answer all three and DM me the correct answers. I'll put all this on my Twitter account. Um, then I'll choose, a, I'll do a randomizer for everybody who, who answers and I'll send one of these uh, to you. So um, here are the three trivia questions. First, don't answer these, Zach. I know you're going to want to. All right. I'm going, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to mute the track of recording for me, but I'm going to answer them for you. Okay. Uh, these are not super difficult. What is Shatterstar's real name? That is question number one. Question number two. What is Ricochet Rita's last name? And then finally, in Youngblood X-Force, the Mojoverse villain, the agent, turns out to be what mutant hero? Why did we not cover X-Force? <laughs> Youngblood! Adam, we had the perfect opportunity. We forgot. There will be plenty of opportunity to do those. Remember, there's two of those. So uh, we, we got Yeah, some. I know when they're... Great's the wrong word. They're not great. great. is the wrong They're word. They're terrible. Uh, all right. So if uh, you know the answers to those three questions, um, DM me the correct answers, and I will pick one person at random, and you will get a copy of X-Men Annual Number 1. X-Men Volume 2 Annual Number 1. Uh, and if if you want uh, if you want us to cover X-Force uh, Youngblood... Then you should probably be like Patreon supporter Miles, who went on over to yes. patreoncom slash comicsxf. Throw some money our way and let us talk about the absolutely wild image crossovers <laughs> they did. They're so weird. <laughs> they are. In X Force Youngblood is important continuity wise for yeah. the Mojoverse. It is. It's bonkers. It's so weird. Yeah. Man, I love. I love bad 90s comics sometimes. But not the ones we were talking about today. (laughs) No, that one's bad. That one's just a bad comic, period. (laughs) And and my personal best friend, Fabian Iciesa, is on my side. You're going to have some people angry at you about this one. But I still think... So what? People are angry at me about everything. Adam, I've gotten multiple emails this week being like, well, actually, did you know this? And I said, I'm not responding to that. (laughs) If you're listening, people who sent... Who sent uh, mo- the multiple people who oddly this week sent messages saying, "Um, actually, I think you're wrong because of this, this, and this." I'm not responding. Please don't do that. Yeah, it's wild. No, that's a wild thing to do. We only accept <laughs> very com- funny though. We only accept compliments. I mean, that's really yeah. No, no, no. This is this is not a feedback zone. <laughs> this is a one way one way thing. Me and Adam, we can have the interaction. We can have the fun. So, uh, speaking of uh, Comics XF, uh, what, what's going on over there? Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what week it is. There's good content. Always. Folks, we've been digging deep in the content binds to find some A-plus work. Mm-hmm. Go check it out. It's a good website. I like it. Adam, what do you got going on? Uh, folks, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy And Zach, what in the world are we doing next week? We're going to talk about Nightcrawler. <gasps> Everybody's fuzzy blue friend. We're going to talk about very specifically uh, Nightcrawler's mom. Oh. Not Mystique. <laughs> going to be fun. It'll be good. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be... We, we, we're we going to do a different episode about Nightcrawler, and then we cracked a code, and it's beautiful, and I can't wait. But until then, folks, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!